Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Charger Football Podcast, hosted by Andy Dietrich with Coach Doug Dinan. The Charger Football Podcast is sponsored by OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, the official sports medicine provider for Carroll High School. Welcome to the final regular episode of the 2018 Charger Football Podcast season. My name is Andy Dietrich, and when I'm not working in some capacity for the Carroll High School Athletic Department, I'm a Curriculum Instruction and Technology Integration Coordinator for Northwest Allen County Schools. Later in this podcast, you'll hear from head coach Doug Dinan. I want to thank SummitCitySports.com for the use of their audio clips, and I especially want to thank our title sponsor, Optimum Performance Sports, the official sports medicine provider for Carroll High School Athletics. Go where the Chargers go and rethink your limits with OPS. Last Friday night, the Chargers hosted the Snyder Panthers in the first round of the 6A sectional. Since their last meeting in Week 2, a contest that was won by the Chargers 38-14, the two teams have gone in opposite directions. After the program's first ever victory over the Panthers, the Chargers won just two more times to finish the regular season at 3-6. Snyder was able to finish strong with a 7-2 record, good for third place in the Summit Athletic Conference. Unfortunately, on Friday night, the Panthers used a big play offense to defeat the Chargers 49-30. After Carroll started the game with a 3-and-out, Snyder wasted no time on their first possession as they used just four plays to score the first touchdown of the game. The Chargers then used 11 plays to march 67 yards to score a touchdown of their own when quarterback Gavin Vogt threw a four-yard TD pass to tight end Eddie Bransfield. Here's SummitCitySports.com's Jim Miso with the call. Full play action, throws into the end zone, wide open, get that man! Six points! And that's the tight end, Eddie Bransfield, with the touchdown catch from four yards. A bad snap prevented the point after attempt, and the Chargers trailed 7-6 midway through the first quarter. Unfortunately, Snyder returned the ensuing kickoff 91 yards to extend their lead 14-6. Snyder would score another TD in the first quarter to go up 21-6. After forcing a couple of Snyder punts in the second quarter, the Chargers used a 19-play drive to move inside the Snyder 5-yard line, but had to settle for a short Trevor Horton field goal as time expired to cut the lead to 21-9 heading into halftime. In the third quarter, Snyder scored three more touchdowns. The Chargers' lone third-quarter score came on a four-yard Gavin Vote TD run to put the score at 42-16 heading into the fourth quarter. So it's third down and three for Carroll at the five. Carroll looking to get their second touchdown of the game. Vote is going to run. He's looking for the end zone. He's headed the goal line. And he's in. Give that man six points. Gavin Volt takes it in from five yards out. Carroll would outscore the Panthers in the final quarter, 14-7. The first touchdown occurred when Camden Childers caught a 16-yard TD pass from backup quarterback Dylan Floyd. Into the end zone. It goes back in the end zone. A catch and give that man six points. Camden Chowders with the 16-yard touchdown reception. The final touchdown of the season was an 80-yard TD run by running back Evan Harris. First down Carroll from the 20. 
Oh, big hole. Look out. He's gone. Yeah, that's going to be 80 yards. Give that man six points, 80-yard touchdown. 80-yard touchdown for Evan Harris. <laughs> the junior takes it to the house from 80 yards out. For the season, the Chargers averaged 28 points per game while giving up 27 per game defensively. Carroll averaged 226 yards per game through the air and 130 on the ground to finish with a per-game total yards average of 356. Senior quarterback Gavin Vogt wrapped up the season with 2,182 yards passing with 23 touchdown passes and 9 interceptions. Gavin also rushed for 360 yards and 6 additional touchdowns. Senior running back Rhett Saylor rushed for 731 yards and six touchdowns while catching 26 passes for 280 yards and two more touchdowns. Senior wide receiver Nathan Hara caught 48 balls for 486 yards and five touchdowns. And fellow senior wide receiver Camden Childers caught 62 passes for 985 yards and 11 touchdowns. Defensively, sophomore safety Hunter Mertz led the team with 46 tackles. Junior defensive back Lincoln Lance had 44 tackles, and senior defensive end Terrell Griffin had 41 tackles, including 17 tackles for loss and nine sacks. And now, let's hear from Charger head football coach Doug Dynan. Well, welcome to the show, Doug. Kind of a kind of a tough game on Friday, even though the kids played pretty well, but just kind of struggled stopping the other team. Well, you know, they, they hit some, uh, some quick slant passes on the inside um, off of a little bit of a play action and, and, and they ran the ball well, you know, as, you know, as well, their offensive line was physical. I don't think that, you know, we didn't obviously play at the level that we did the first time that we played them. And that's always the disappointing thing. You know, when you, when you play at a high level earlier in the year, and you don't match that that level that you know you're capable of playing at, you know, that's always disappointing. Um, you know, but, you know, that can be said in, in multiple games that we played in. And, you know, the key, although very cliched, the key is very simple. You know, we've got to be able to move the football. We've got to be physical up front on the offensively and defensive side of the ball. And those are things that we didn't do Friday night. I thought Friday night we moved the ball pretty well. I mean, I think we had like 480, 490 yards of total offense. Uh, ran the ball pretty well. I think we ran for about 130, which is which is pretty good for us. And threw for like 220. It probably would have been nicer to be closer to 280 or so. But, you know, for the first time in a while, we actually moved the ball pretty well. Um, just kind of had some, some red zone problems. If I remember right, we uh, – we had to settle for a field goal at the end of the half after a 19-play drive, and we got it inside the five. And I thought if we could have scored there, that would have really gave us some momentum heading into halftime. But overall, you know, offensively played pretty well. Not not fantastic, but really pretty well. Well, I'm not. I'm not. You know, obviously we're we're not. You know, extremely pleased with with the you know the result of the overall season and. You know, Friday night just a part of that. But, you know, we're pleased with the performance and pleased with the effort of our kids, and that's what most that's what's most important. 
you know, the outcome isn't what we desire, you know, but the, the hard work of the kids and the tenacity of the kids and, you know, the leadership of the kids are those things that are fundamental and those things that will carry through for out, you know, throughout and, and, you know, those lifelong lessons are really what we're striving for. So let's talk about the season as a whole. Uh, you know, even though our record was disappointing, it there's still a lot of bright spots. And I think one of my personal favorites was the development of Nathan Hara as a wide receiver. You know, by the end of the season, that kid showed some toughness, you know, because we typically send him across the middle. So he's going to be catching balls in traffic. So he's going to he's going to catch it and within a stride or two, he's either going to get hit or he's going to be running and he's going to get hit pretty hard in the middle. And I thought that young man did a great job of finding open spots, catching some very tight balls, and then getting some pretty good yards after the catch. Nathan's a, a kid that is a, a you know a kid who developed a lot you know not only physically you know but mentally and emotionally and really grew to be a, a great leader this this senior year and Nathan Nathan's a, a kid you know like like Colin Beeks you know like Rhett Sailor you know that you know you you don't you don't hear a lot about them you know and obviously they're very productive you know what they do but you know, they're great students. They're great. They're great kids. They're great guys to be within the program. They're great models for the young kids. You know, and those are the things that we're really looking for. Those that's the development that that you're most excited for. And that's the, you know, the point within the program that you, you feel like, you know, hey, there is positive out of these things. You know, you're looking for, you know, that that next group, that next class, you know, that next you know, whether it be a sophomore or a freshman, that next level to to develop and understand the leadership that is experienced by being around guys like Nathan, like Rhett, you know, like Colin, you know, and so we can take the program again to another level. Yeah, that, that is a lot of, of fun to watch a kid over four years. And if you, you talk about Colin and Nathan, those aren't very big kids. And as freshmen, they were even tinier and to see those kids grow up, hit the weight room, uh, give it all in practice, and then they have success as their senior year, uh, to me, that's what American high school football is all about. And we had some other bright spots. I mean, obviously, you know, Camden Child is coming back to the program and arguably the best receiver in the conference. And it seemed like every week he was making some kind of highlight reel catch. And uh, it's, it is amazing. With him, you know, he's pretty fast, but he's not necessarily the fastest receiver we've seen or even had on our team. But I think his greatest strength is, A, he runs really good patterns, and B, he's going to fight for that football, and he's going to do everything he can to catch it. I mean, he's going to do everything he can to catch it. And I think whatever school gets him next year is going to be pleasantly surprised with that kind of toughness, and and I'm going to catch that football. And and we look forward to – you know, many guys, you know, going on to play and follow their, you know, their attributes and, and their success after after high school. Um, you're talking about leadership characteristics. You're talking about, you know, seeing those guys grow. The Thursday before our sectional game, it's always tradition that, you know, we go to the Hoots house and we have dinner and we have a big bonfire. And at that bonfire that night, the, the seniors speak and it's, and it's their – guaranteed last time to be together guaranteed last practice night 
and they get the opportunity to share with other people within the program just their thoughts, their feelings, their memories. And many of those guys, you know, like like Rhett, you know, like like Colin Beeks, like Nathan, all talked about, you know, not being big middle school players and not having a lot of success in middle school. And Micah Fretz is another kid, and they talk about the struggles that they go through, you know, in middle school and deciding if they want to continue to play football and come out as freshmen and being undersized and working hard and sticking with the program and, and how it paid off and benefited them in life. And that's probably one of my favorite nights is to hear those guys talk about the, the benefit of being in athletics and the benefit of being, you know, cast into hard work, into a program to where, you know, expectation is high and, and it's and it's outstanding to hear you know, the progress and, and everything that is built up with them through four years and the amount that they have learned from the program. And it's an outstanding night. And I wish more people would have that opportunity to hear it. Yeah. That's one of those special things where, you know, you put in four years into this program and, you know, there's a lot of blood, sweat and toil that goes into becoming a good high school football player. And for these these scrappy young men like a Micah and, you know, you can throw Terrell Griffin in the, in there, you know, cause he's, he's got a scrappy mentality, you know, for them to just grow as players and men through their four years, that's absolute, that's the absolute best. You know, the wins and losses are cool, but you know, building young men. And we've talked about this a number of times. In fact, we had a whole show on it. That's by yeah. far more important. And that's what, you know, the biggest takeaway, you know, you could ask, you know, what do you take away from the year? And that's, that's the takeaway, you know, the relationship that is built with these guys, you know, the senior leadership that you see develop, you know, the characteristics that is desired in young men that is brought forth, you know, through, you know, athletics, you know, through academics as well. But, you know, the, the endeavor that we get the opportunity to see them in every day is in the field, in the athletic field and on the, on, within the athletic locker room and, you know, within their team. And it's a tremendous characteristic, you know, that will propel them and perpetuate their life for, for many years. Well, when we get back from the break, we'll do a little bit further recap of our season. And then we're going to wrap up with a description of how the offseason calendar goes as we prepare for the 2019 season. OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, is the official sports medicine provider of Carroll High School. From diagnosing, repairing, and rehabbing injuries to pushing yourself to the limit on the playing field by utilizing cutting-edge training programs, Optimum Performance Sports is proud to be a partner with Charger Athletics and the Carroll community. For more information, visit www.optimumperformancesports.com. OPS, rethink your limits. Well, welcome back, everybody. Even though the season was was kind of strange, you know, we we had the two mud bowl games where we lost each point by each each game by a point, and we had Bishop Dwinger on the ropes, and you know, every game's got to play here and there, and so that three and seven record, I mean, it is what it is, but this is a team that you know, a couple bounces, you're probably one or two games over five hundred, and you may still be playing, but. There's tons of bright spots, and there's a good group of underclass players. So we're going to spend this segment talking about those players that you expect to see as the stars on our 2019 season. And, and Doug, 
Let's start with our offensive line because I thought at many times this year they did a great job of run blocking, and I thought every game this year they were pretty consistent with their pass. Well, everything begins up front without question. Um, and the positive th- the positive thing is that we've got four of those five starters returning for next year. And it all begins in the middle. You know, Ryan Chenery is our center, um, and he, he is the leader, you know, of, of that offensive group. And, and that's not always, you know, just because he's in the middle, but he, he is the guy that's making calls and making front calls and, you know, assisting the quarterback and, and making checks at the line of scrimmage. And he is a very, very bright, bright, bright kid. Um, plus, he's a four-point-plus student. And Orion, you know, going to be a senior. He's only a junior right now. And, you know, playing right next to him, both guards, you know, Xander Hoffman is a junior and will return. And uh, left guard is Kyler Bills, only a sophomore. And left tackle is Reeve Muncie. And Reeve's a, a big guy, about 6'5", about 265. All four of those, you know, the expectation level is just, increased exponentially for all four of them because, you know, they are going to be the guys that are returning with the most amount of experience. And, you know, as every offense is, you know, we're only going to be as good as our offensive line. And, you know, I don't know who that, that right tackle is going to be right now. You know, that's okay. We've got time, you know, there's, you know, capable individuals that are going to compete for that spot. And there's capable individuals that are going to push those four, you know, to play at their highest level and to maintain their starting positions as well. But, yeah, we're excited about the, the returning offensive line that we have. And I should – and I should I make sure we throw in Eddie Bransfield, you know, that tight end, you know, the tight end spot, you know, is he a receiver, is he an offensive lineman? You know, and Eddie Bransfield's only a junior, and he did a phenomenal job for us as well. Well, let's make sure all those guys get to hang out with Coach Jones a lot this offseason, and let's put on some pounds of muscles. So let's go back to Eddie Bransfield and our receiving core. Had a really deep and balanced receiving core this year. Uh, arguably probably the deepest group that you've had in your years here. So Eddie's coming back, Leighton Mitchell's coming back, and then kind of the the first guy off the bench when you had to put in an extra wide receiver, uh, Bowden Height is back. And so who else is going to fill in that spot? You know, because, you know, Childers is graduating and Hera is graduating. So besides the three that I just mentioned, including Eddie, who's going to be able to move in and help? Well, in Leighton Mitchell, you know, returning starter is only a junior this year, so he'll be a senior and that. You know, senior year is a, a big year. You know, another guy that has is, is battled through injury is Tyler Morrison. And, you know, Tyler, you know, broke his broke his arm, you know, towards the end of the season. And, you know, honestly, we're expecting him to come back and, and to have a great year. And, and he is, the kid is mentally tough. He's, he's battled through injuries the past two years and is still looking forward to come back and playing. You know, and so you know, the receiving core, you know, is, is going to be, you know, as deep, you know, and we're excited about, you know, guys like Bowden and Layton, you know, and Tyler that, that have experience as long as, you know, along with, you know, Eddie Bransfield coming back with experience. And, you know, we think that our passing game, you know, can be as sound and can be as solid as what it was this year. Yeah, Tyler Morrison has that Nathan Hara body type. And so if he can create uh, or he can obtain Nathan's toughness, you know, he'll he'll be a perfect replacement for Nathan. 
Tyler Morrison's a little bit taller. I think Tyler is about six two. You know, he probably he probably only goes about one hundred and seventy five pounds, but he's six two and he's a basketball kid and very athletic kid. So we got a good receiver core coming back, and so you got to have somebody to throw to. And our backup quarterback is Dylan Floyd, who has, I think, he throws a very pretty and very catchable ball. And he threw a touchdown pass uh, the other night on Friday. So tell us a little bit about Dylan, what we can expect from him. Well, Dylan this year is a, is a sophomore, and, and Dylan is a very strong kid. You know, he is a you know a, a very good student, understands the game extremely well, throws the ball well runs the ball well too, you know, and, and we're excited about, you know, everything, you know, that we have at, at the quarterback position. And Jeffrey Becker is also also a quarterback, a freshman quarterback this year. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, those two will, will compete for that position for next year. And, you know, we're excited about the off season and, and, and the winter and the spring. And, and we'll talk, we'll talk about, you know, as you mentioned before, we're going to talk about the off season and how, that has changed a little bit with the IHSAA for this next for this year, but uh, you know those guys get the opportunity you know to compete to con- to learn, you know to make a connection with those receivers that we're talking about, and learn how to be a leader within the program because that's that's the largest attribute that a quarterback has to have, you know you've got to have all the physical you know skills and you've got to be able to throw it you've got to be able to run it. You know, and those things that, you know, we can continue to develop. But you also have to have the intangibles, you know, of being a great leader, you know, of of understanding coverages, of, of being a student of the game, of understanding that you've got to be the hardest worker within the weight room, hardest worker in conditioning, you know, because guys are going to follow you if you continually produce and work hard on the field at all times. Yeah, we do have a lot of depth at quarterback. That's going to be a really good quarterback battle in camp between those two guys because they both can play. So, right, so let's move over to the defense. One of the issues that we had this year was that our, our defensive backfield was young and inexperienced, but that's not going to be the case next year because they're all coming back. And so this year you had a number of good juniors. You had Ray Vollmer. You had your son Cade, um, Lincoln Lance. And then you also had a sophomore, Hunter Mertz, coming in at safety. And I believe he led us in tackles. And so that's a good group of guys that now have a year under their belt and they can hit. So tell us, tell us a little bit more in detail about what, you know, that, that back four, back five people that bring to us. Yeah. The, the secondary, you know, is again, is going to be, is going to be really experienced, you know, and we've got, you know, the senior out of the whole group, you know, is, is Ray and Ray's going to play a corner and, Ray's got to be that leader because he's the guy that will been has been a two year starter will be a three year starter after next year, and and he's got to be that catalyst. He's got to be that guy that that brings that knowledge and that experience and that fire to that defensive side in the backfield. And you know, as we mentioned, you know, we've got we've got Kay Dine, we've got Brandon Klug. You know, those two you know played a lot in the same position almost every other series. You know, we've got Lincoln Lance. Um, Lincoln Lance, you know, at one time led, you know, led the team in tackles and, you know, had numerous interceptions and, and is recovering as we speak from the labrum tear and surgery. I think he just got his stitches out today, as a matter of fact. And Hunter Mertz coming back, you know, also playing in the, in the safety position too. But, uh, 
Tucker Tucker Steely, who ended up finishing up the year for us, you know, in the last couple of games starting as a freshman, you know, will probably be one of the guys at the top of the list to replace Colin Beeks as an outside linebacker as our Sam linebacker. So in the back five, you know, we're we're excited. You know, they're young, they're experienced, they're talented. Um, all those guys can run. They're all fast guys. And, and their experience of being on the field for a whole year is going to pay off extremely well for us. Yeah, I like they're naturally aggressive. There's some hitters in that group. You got some defensive linemen you're going to have to replace. Edmund Johnson graduated, and and Terrell Griffin, who's just a leader and just a hard nosed player. He's going to be, you know, kids like that. They're hard to replace. But um, there's some some juniors that played well. So tell us about the the current defensive linemen who are juniors who are going to have big senior years next year. Uh, Larry Seibel played defensive tackle for us, and, and Larry's a, a big, strong kid, and, and he's got to continue to get bigger and stronger, and, and you know, we're excited about you know his senior year as well. Wes Stevens ended up playing defensive end and probably was one of the most solid defensive ends that we've had here recently and very fundamentally sound and, and played really hard as well. Ethan Klingler, who is a sophomore, saw a good bit of time for us at defensive tackle. You know, he's coming back. And Jacob Geller also played defensive end for us as we moved, when we moved Terrell uh, to back to an inside linebacker. And so, you know, replacing Edmund and Terrell from that defensive line, you know, is, is always a large task. But, you know, I think that those four guys, you know, with their experience, with their experience, with their physicality, with their understanding of the defense, uh, I think that they're going to suit us very well. So the linebacker position is is usually pretty important for a defense. Uh, it's great for run support, and plus, almost every school has a great passing game, so they've got to be able to cover out in the flat. And of course, as that that tight end comes up the seam, uh, this year Micah did a great job at linebacker, battled through some injuries, but. Goodness gracious, that kid gave you his best he could every night. So who do we? Who's looking into the fight to be the starting line, inside linebacker? Well, Max Max Green, you know, obviously, you know, you know, broke his leg at the end of the year, and um, and he'll be healthy, and Max will be back, you know, as a senior playing inside linebacker. But uh, you know, that other position is is completely is completely up in the air right now, and it you know, it might be a young guy. It might be somebody that we move. That That is probably our, our one position on the defense, you know, much as our right tackle on the offense. Who's that guy going to be? You know, who are we going to be able to hang our hat on to be the, the other inside linebacker? That's that's up in the air. But, you know, that's the great thing about it. It's, it's months away from that point. And, you know, right now our focus is going to be on, you know, being bigger and stronger and, you know, developing skills out of every guy so that they have an opportunity to compete for that spot. Now, there's one spot on the offense that I forgot to cover, and that was our running back. Safe to assume that Evan Harris has the inside track for that, and we had a good uh, glimpse at the capabilities of of Evan when he scampered 80 yards for our final touchdown of the season. He was part of our rotation beginning of the season, but Rhett Saylor kind of established himself, and so Evan has kind of waited his time and so what do we expect from Evan for next year? Evan's a nice physical back. You know, he is a downhill guy. He's got good speed, you know, as he as he showed in that 80-yard run against Snyder. And, you know, Evan will be the senior. 
And, you know, Evan is a, is a hardworking kid. He's a great teammate. He's a great leader. You know, obviously, again, we're, we're, looking, we're looking forward to him, you know, doing great things in the backfield. All right, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about the offseason calendar and what the team does to get bigger, stronger, faster. OPS, Optimum Performance Sports, is the official sports medicine provider of Carroll High School. From diagnosing, repairing, and rehabbing injuries to pushing yourself to the limit on the playing field by utilizing cutting-edge training programs, Optimum Performance Sports is proud to be a partner with Charger Athletics and the Carroll community. For more information, visit www.optimumperformancesports.com. OPS, rethink your limits. Well, welcome back from the break, everybody. In our final segment, we're going to hear Coach explain the off-season workout calendar. As a football fan, we know that in in August they start their practices, and, and even during the summer there is some conditioning, but you know, what's, what are we doing during December, January, February, April, and May? I mean, this is, these are real important, get bigger, get stronger, get faster times of the calendar. And I think you can have some really big payoff when it comes to the next season. So coach dining, can you explain kind of the off season calendar and what's our plan as a program? Well, first of all, Andy, our, our goal is to, you know, increase our strength within the program. That That is the main objective in the offseason. And, and we want, you can't require anything, but, you know, the, the kids buy in and they understand. And therefore, you know, their their understanding and, and willingness to do as as we need. Everybody is involved in the strength program to some level. Probably the eighty probably eighty percent of our or even higher eighty five percent of our players are enrolled in the strength class during the school day, where they're with Coach Jones during the day and they're working on strength skill, um, speed development, all of those things that are going to make them a better athlete. And our our big goal is when we hit December that we want to get stronger and. We don't even have to wait until December because they're in there all year long, but we want to be stronger. We've got to be bigger. The the speed, you know, is going to continue to be as it is. And and we have fast athletes, and we're very pleased with that. But we've got to be bigger and stronger up front. We've got to be more physical. And so that's that's the, the number one takeaway that we need to have, and that that's beginning from now, you know, December until you know, June when we're out of school. Now, a new piece that is within the puzzle that the IHSA has ruled upon is called a a limited contact period during the school year out of season, meaning that when football season is over at the end of November, there will be a contact, a limited contact window that will start just about the beginning of December and will end at the beginning of February. Now, take into that also that we will have, you know, a week or a week and a half for Christmas break to where our, our students will be off. And, and obviously they need vacation and they need those times off. But the ruling is that where we used to be only allowed to coach two players at a time in the off season, we now are unlimited in the amount of players that we can coach as long as it only happens two days a week for two hours. And so you take those weeks and you look at 
how can we maximize our time? But at the same time, we have to be very conscious of a couple of things. One, burning out players. You know, two, what's best for the players in terms of the development and giving them time off. And three, what other sports are they involved in that we do not want to make student athletes one sport participants? You know, we don't want just football players. We want guys to wrestle. We want guys to run track. We want guys to play basketball. We want guys to be involved in baseball. All those multiple sport athletes are better athletes. But at the same time, if we're permitted to coach our athletes during these times from December to February, twice a week for two hours, there's also another window in the spring, a limited contact window in the spring from the beginning of April until about the middle of May. Obviously, we have a one week for spring break off as well. But if we can take advantage of these times to help develop uh, the, the technique, the individual skill, the individual periods, um, and you know whether that help with the defensive back or a wide receiver and a quarterback, footwork of offensive line, whatever those things are, you know I think that they're going to benefit us in, in multiple ways. They're going to put the kids together. You know they're going to understand hard work. They're going to understand the, the competitiveness that is that is necessary. And they're also going to increase the skill of what the kids have within those things. So the fine line is, you know, where when do you have too much or when do you not have enough? Yeah, I think that's something you'll probably learn through a little bit of trial and error. The winter window will be kind of probably difficult to work with because due to limited gym space. Absolutely, and th- those are those are questions you know that we that we keep that we continually talk about. You know when. When do those things happen? You know, where is it going to happen? Because, you know, also within those rules are it, it has to take place, you know, on campus, you know. So it has to be at, you know, the Carroll High School or, a, you know, a NAX facility. You know, it can't take place, you know, off campus at some other facility. So you can't go to OPS or Parkview Y or somewhere like that and hold, you know, workouts. You know, so the facility, you know, is going to be, you know, an issue without question. Yeah, and we're lucky. We're actually a a school that's got four gyms. However, you also have four different basketball teams, six six different basketball teams. Right. You know, uh, freshmen, JV, and uh, varsity on both boys and the girls. And so, you know, you think four gyms is a lot. Yep. Uh, but when you have six different teams, the four gyms is not a lot. And then you throw in a little bit of football. I am intrigued, though, with that spring window because now you're talking almost a spring football-like. Um, so I think that one will be an interesting one as as we as a program and other programs around the area and the state figure out what to do with that one because spring football is intriguing. However, that burnout part could be a big with that because – you know, if you're if you're going like in our area when the weather starts to get good, which would be late April, early May, you know, say you want to take a week of football practice there or, or use those two weeks as your spring football outdoors, you know, that f- fall camp's just around, around the corner in early August. So that'll be an interest to see how that one plays out. But it does give you some flexibility. Well, you're you're exactly right because you'll finish that window of limited contact will finish about the middle of May. And, you know, you'll have maybe two to three weeks off and then you'll start football again in June. 
to where you have your, your 12 contact days, you know, and add in, you know, another six, you're, you've got about 18 days to when June and July, when you're back into practice. And so, you know, we've got to be very conscious, you know, very conscious of the fact of, you know, what's that fine line between, you know, enough, too much. And at the same time, you know, we, we don't ever want to, you know, push a kid to make a decision, you know, between spring football and playing a spring sport, because I am still a huge proponent of, of, of students being a multiple sport athletes, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's track or baseball in the spring, it, it's, it's insignificant. Um, you know, we want, we want our kids to be involved. And so we're never going to push our kids, you know, to give up another sport, you know, to participate in, in football in the spring, because I don't think that that's what's best, you know, and, you know, it does help, you know, it is going to be nice, you know, to be able to do some skill work with them. But, you know, at the same time, it's not detrimental and it can't be mandatory, you know, and if a kid chooses to be in the spring sport or if a, or if a kid chooses to do something else, you know, it can't be detrimental to where that kid is on the depth chart when you come back in June, July, and August. Absolutely agree with that sentiment. It's just, I would look at this as just an opportunity for kids who want to do it. And if you want to go play a spring sport or you just want to, you know, you think an after-school job is good for you at that point and you'll come hit us in, in the fall camp, I think that's just fine, whatever works for that kid. But it's very interesting. It's going to be interesting how this all plays out because, you know, it's just, it's new territory. You you don't have experience yep, with this as a coach. Nobody does. It's brand new. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yep. Well, you got any final thoughts? Well, first of all, I, I appreciate, you know, everything that, uh, that you have done with this podcast. And this is, this is outstanding. And, you know, the opportunity to, to talk and to share feelings within the program and share feelings about, you know, leadership and development of young men and development of student athletes. You know, it's, it's a great opportunity to, for us to be able to, you know, one, promote the program and, and speak to all, you know, whoever are, you know, willing to listen and, and share our time with us. You know, we're, we're thankful to all, you know, we, you know, we, we did not finish the season as we wanted, you know, but, you know, as we talk about in the performance pathway, you know, if our outcome is not as we desire, then we've got to go back and we've got to look at, you know, our responses and, and how we, and how we handled situations and, you know, what were our decisions that we made and how did we work? And, and then we go back and we're going to get another event and we're going to get an opportunity again to, to, you know, to have that opportunity to come to compete and to, to teach others and to mold minds. And, and that's the great thing about athletics. There's always going to be another opportunity and it's not the end of the world. You know, three and seven is not as anybody desired, you know, but you know, it easily could have been, you know, six and four and seven and three, you know, if a few things, you know, went, you know, as we had wanted them to. So again, Andy, we appreciate this opportunity and this podcast and, you know, we're always open and willing and well and welcome to, you know, speak about athletics and leadership and, and whatever it is that, that you want to talk about, you know, regardless of the time of the year. Well, I, I want to thank you personally. This, um, couldn't do the show without you. Uh, nobody wants to hear me talk about football. They want to hear from the head coach, but you know, I've, I talked about this in the spring is I've had this idea rattling around in my head for about five years. And then the spring, 
I, I learned a workflow of how to make and get a podcast distributed from a teacher in Detroit. And once I brought that idea up to you, you were like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And I love sports and, and you and I've gotten into sports for the same reason of we, we just love athletics uh, as a whole, but we understand it's, it's vast underappreciated educational value. Uh, kids learn a lot in the classroom, especially at a fantastic school system like Northwest Allen. But on the athletic field, you can take and hone the personality and the emotional strength of a kid in ways that you can't necessarily do in the classroom. And one of the goals from this football podcast, just just for my own opinion, was A, I wanted to see if I could make a football podcast because I just like football and I wanted to hear my own voice. But B, let's tell the story of this football program. It's been successful, but it's been really successful in churning out good players who become even better men. And that's and that's what I really wanted people to get, just to get an insight of, of what it's like to be part of the Carroll High School football program. And, and I think we've done a pretty good job with that. Couldn't have done that without you. And then the bonus episodes, which we just kind of made up on the fly, and those have come off really, really well. In fact, the next time you hear from us will be a bonus episode. And it's probably around that early signing day in December because a few of our players will go on and play college football at some level. And we want to talk to them about, you know, what made them choose that school. And I think another great idea that we had, and you helped us with this, is those player interviews during the season. Uh, if you you listen to those young men talk and you can't be impressed and feel confident about the next generation, I just, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, I, I agree completely, you know, and I can agree with, you know, your, your, your sightfulness, uh, you know, and your insight to, to the game and, you know, and your vision for the podcast and as well as, you know, talking to the players, uh, talking to the middle school coaches, talking to, you know, all of those, you know, talking to Coach Isaacs, you know, with our extra podcast. You know, all of those are tremendous, and, and again, they're a great opportunity to share the program, and, and I'm thankful to you. Well, I'll say we didn't really know what we were doing, and I think this show's turned into something pretty good, and I think we put a pretty high bar. We'll have to do really well to top this next year. <laughs> so, Coach Dinan, once again, thank you very much for helping out in the show, and we'll talk to you again in the summer as we talk about getting ready for the 2019 season. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you, thank you for listening. Uh, I've enjoyed your feedback. Uh, Some of the feedback has been used to improve it. And so uh, please um, leave feedback on SoundCloud and leave feedback on iTunes, and we'll be back with you again next year. So for Coach Dinan, I'm Andy Dietrich, and thanks for listening this season. We would like to thank our athletic trainers, Steve Lubyhusen, Michaela Hoffman, and Jordan Redding, who along with OPS and the doctors of Fort Wayne Orthopedics provide all the sports medicine services for Northwest Allen County Schools. Go where the Chargers go. Testing, one, two, three, testing. Dude, you sound good, okay.